right, well, hey, guys, I want to pray uh, before we jump in. Man, we got a heavy topic today, and uh, so let's pray real quick, because, man, we're going to need some help from God today. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. God, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're heading into heavy ground today. And Father, I pray for help. I pray that, God, you'd help me. God, I would, uh, God, I'd only say what you want me to say. And God, I'd help, uh, I pray you'd help us to receive what you want us to receive. God, a message like today, it can land um, on all kinds of different people in different ways because there's different groups here today. God, there are people who are coming and and, and maybe they just feel like this is what their marriage is looking at. They, they're, they're in a marriage and they're convinced it's heading towards divorce. Or maybe they're on the other side of a divorce that's already finalized. God, maybe there's, there's people here in the room and, and, and divorce has impacted their family. It happened years ago and the wound is still fresh. So God, this is, this is heavy this morning. And God, I thank you that your word says that, that, God, you are a very present help, God, when we're in need. And so, God, we just need help today. We want to hear from you. God, keep us from the schemes of the devil. And Jesus, I pray that when it's all said and done today, Jesus is lifted up. We can say we've met with you in this room. And God, you accomplished everything that you wanted to accomplish. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. Well, we uh, are in part five today of our series, Summer uh, Playlist. Um, and I want to talk to you uh, guys. Um, I want to start off today. I want to give you a date, uh, probably a big day. Everybody remembers August 7th, 1999. August 7th, 1999. Anybody remember what you were doing, what you were wearing on that day? Raise your hand. Understand? All right, all right, I feel you. I feel you. It's a big day. It's a big day, people. Big day. August, August 7th. August, that was the weekend Sixth Sense came out in the movie theater. Sixth Sense came out the day before. August the 6th, 1999. You remember the movie Sixth Sense? Who remembers that movie? That freaky little boy? I see dead people, right? I don't know where he is. Hopefully he's in jail somewhere. That was insane. It's horrifying, right? Reds fans? If you're, bad, if you're, if you're a Reds fan, this wasn't a good day. Milwaukee beat the Reds that day. August 7, 1999. Tell you why it's a big day. Big, big day. Let me tell you why it's a big day. Let me cut to the chase. August 7th, that's the day Elena and I got married. Woo! Give it up. Give it up. You ain't you won't gonna do nothing. No, it's, it's too late. It's too late. You missed your moment, church. It's over. It's downhill from there. But I digress. That's the day I got married. Elaine and I, we got married that day. And, and, and here's what I know. Here's what I know. It doesn't matter if you're married, uh, you're not married, you've been to a wedding. Uh, there's some things that, that all wedding ceremonies have in common. Am I correct? Right? There's just some things that all wedding ceremonies have in common. Now, now you might have been to a wedding ceremony or you might have, uh, you might have been, been a part of a ceremony and maybe you tried to throw in a little something different. You know what I mean? I mean, in the line of work that I do, I do several wedding ceremonies, and people might every once in a while try to throw in something that's unique, that, you know, maybe special to the bride and groom, that'll help everybody to remember that. And I remember we did, that, we did something like that. Um, we did something like that. I didn't get a say at all in planning my wedding ceremony, and I'm not bitter, I promise. That's what my counselor tells me. Um, and so, um, but there was one day, one day, it was being planned, and I was kind of hanging out in the background. And, and, uh, and somebody asked me, I think it was Elena, somebody asked me, Mark, is there anything special you'd like to do during the ceremony? Is there anything special you'd like to have, anything you just memorable you'd like to do during the wedding ceremony? And, and it just shot out of my mouth. I didn't pray about it. I didn't 
get counsel about it. It just shot out of my mouth. And the thing that shot out of my mouth was, yes, the moment that they announced us as husband and wife, I want them to play the Star Wars theme song. So on August 7th, 1999, as soon as they declared us husband and wife, the Star Wars theme song started. And angels filled that church. It was a glorious moment. I promise, the Star Wars theme song really did play. It was awesome. It was awesome. But, 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 here, here's, here, here's, what, here's what my wedding and yours, if you're married, you've been married, you've been to a wedding. There, there's several things that they all have in common. Let me give you one. In all ceremonies, there comes a point when the bride-to-be, the groom-to-be, they will look at each other and they'll exchange wedding vows. And they'll look at each other and, and they'll say, I take you to be my husband, I take you to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, rich or poor, till what do us part? You tell me. Till death do us part. To have and to hold from this day forward, and the only thing that is going to get in the way is death. And in a perfect world, that would be exactly what happens. Right? In a perfect world, that's exactly how it would go. There would be the I do's. They would seal those I do's or vows with exchanging rings. Then they'd kiss. Then somebody would play the Star Wars theme song. We'd all go celebrate. And then they would go off and they would live happily ever after. And the only thing that would separate them is death. But we don't live in a perfect world. And the proof that you and I don't live in a perfect world is that today's question was the second most asked question in summer playlists. Out of hundreds, literally hundreds of questions and hundreds of votes, today is the second most asked question in the entire series. And here's the question. What does the Bible say about divorce? Is it ever okay? What does the Bible say about divorce? Is it ever okay? And so here's what I want to do today. What I want to do is I want to answer that question right there. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up or turn it on to Matthew chapter 19, okay? So go ahead and open up your Bible or whatever you need to do. Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. That's where we're going to be today, okay? Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. It's where we're going to be today. So go ahead and open that up, turn it on, or whatever you need to do. So I want to answer this question, and then what I want to do after I answer that question, I want to address two groups of people that I think drove this question to number two, okay? So that's how we're rolling today. When I answer this, then I want to talk to two groups of people. I think everybody, this will apply to everybody, but I think there's two groups of people that shot this all the way to number two. So I want to talk to those two groups here today before I dismiss you in 30 minutes, all right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 19. I just said 30 minutes. Those of you that are regular for some, regular at Summit, no, he's lying. We ain't getting that. It ain't happening. All right, Matthew chapter 19. And I want to read verses 1 through 9. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. It's on the screen behind me. Here we go. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male 
and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He, Jesus, he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. So just to kind of set the stage here, these are the Pharisees. If you're new to the Bible, the Pharisees are the bad guys, okay? They are the religious leaders, and ultimately these are the people who are going to kill Jesus. Anytime the Pharisees ask Jesus a question, it's not because they're interested in the answer. They're trying to trap him so they can find an easier way to kill him. And so that's what they're trying to do here. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the bad guys, come to Jesus, and they ask Jesus this question in verse 3. Did you see the question? Jesus, is it lawful to divorce your wife or your spouse for any reason? And that is a question that people are still asking today, is it not? That's a question that people are still asking in the world that we live in. And listen, the culture that you and I live in has answered that question with yes. Is it lawful to get a divorce? Is it okay to get a divorce for any reason? And the world that we live in has said yes. So if he snores, drop him like a bad habit. Right? She can't cook? Oh, you better pack up today, bro. Right? Is, is it lawful? Is it okay to get a divorce for any reason? And the world that we live in has said yes. Now Jesus responds. And Jesus responds not in a way that they expect him to. In fact, I don't even think they expected Jesus to respond. But Jesus says, all right, if you want to have a go at this topic, if this is on summer playlist for you, then I'm going to answer this for you Pharisees. And you might not like this, but here we go. And what Jesus does is he proceeds to tell us two things when it comes to divorce. First thing that Jesus tells the Pharisees and all of us by extension is that divorce is not a part of God's plan. Divorce is not a part of God's original plan. Okay? Say that again. Divorce is not a part of God's original plan. They say, Jesus, is it okay to divorce your spouse for any reason at all? And then Jesus answers it by taking it all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. He says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They're no longer two, but they're one flesh. What God has joined together, let not man separate. So Jesus answers their question by going back to God's original standard. And he says, listen, listen, if we're going to talk marriage, if we're going to talk the way this goes on this bumpy, imperfect road, then you need to know this is what God's standard was. When God created everything, including marriage, this was God's plan. And God's plan was one man and one woman leaving father, leaving mother, leaving everything they knew behind and joining together, coming together in the context 
of marriage. Now, again, world we live in today, just what I said alone is extremely controversial, but that's what Jesus says God's plan, God's standard is. Doesn't matter how opinion changes, doesn't matter how the world changes, even doesn't matter what side of the aisle politically you're on. This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. God says that his standard is one man, one woman, leaving all they've known, all that's been comfortable, and coming together, becoming one in the context of marriage. And see, if you take two things that have been joined together and pull them apart, that'll hurt, won't it? It'll always hurt. If you take two things that have been joined together and pull it apart, that's going to sting. That's going to hurt. There's going to be pain involved. That's why, that's why whenever there is a divorce for whatever reason, and maybe you're on the other side of it and you knew you needed to, and it's a relief that now you're on the other side of it. When you were in the middle of it, it hurt, didn't it? It hurt. It always hurts. It always stings. Why? Because two things that are being set, that have been that have come together are being separated. And see, God just makes his opinion about what he thinks about divorce very clear. In fact, this might be the verse that you know that's in the Bible about divorce is this one right here. Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. And God just says this. It just simply says, For I hate divorce says the Lord. Now you need to listen to me because some of you, maybe you're here and you're divorced and you're thinking, oh, well, that means God hates me. No. That's not what that means. God hates divorce but loves you. So how can that happen? It's because God, the reason that God says, I hate divorce, it's because God knows the pain it puts people through. God knows the wounds that it leaves. The Bible says in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, that marriage is a picture of Jesus and his love for the church. And so when a marriage is split apart, that's a picture of Jesus and the church being split apart. And God knows how bad that's going to hurt. And so God says, I hate what it does to you. I hate how it impacts you. I hate the pain it's going to put you through. So does God hate you? Does God hate me for going through that, if that's what you're thinking? No, but God hates what it does to you. Because God loves you. So in 7 and 8, in verses 7 and 8 that we read in Matthew chapter 19, it says this, they asked Jesus a question. They say, all right, well, now listen. If that was God's original plan, that the husband, that the wife, that this, those two people, they'd leave everything they ever knew, come together, and they'd stay together, let not, let not nothing, anything separate anything God's brought together, Jesus, if that's how this rolls. Verse 7. Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away. So listen, whether you're here today, you've got a church background, you don't know much about the Bible at all, everybody knows Moses, right? Everybody, you know, Moses, Charlton Heston, however you want to say that right there. Everybody's familiar with who Moses is. Well, apparently some things that Moses would do every once in a while in his, in his duties, are, there would be people who would come to Moses and they're, they're convinced their marriage couldn't be fixed. It's beyond hope. And so Moses would give them what was called at that time a certificate of divorce ending the marriage. And they say, well, Jesus, listen, if that's God's plan, then why did Moses let people get divorced? Here's his answer. Verse 8. Watch what it says in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 19. Because of your hardness of heart, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. See, what Jesus just said is this. The reason divorce exists is because of sin. 
God's original plan is that the only thing that would come between a marriage is death. God's original plan is that there would be that happily ever after. That's why everybody wants it. But as soon as sin entered the world, everything became broken. Amen? Listen, listen. The best marriage in the room isn't what it could be because of sin. Right? The best marriage in the room isn't what it could be because of sin. I don't know what kind of idea you had about marriage before you walked in. Maybe it was something that you saw on television. Maybe it was something that you saw on the movies. It's going to be so romantic. We're just going to be loving each other every day in butterflies. Oh, my gosh, and kisses. And you're just fired up, and you're just convinced marriage is going to be awesome. But listen, when you take one sinner, marry him with another sinner, put him in a house, that house becomes the octagon. And a lot of times marriage... Between two people that love Jesus with all their heart, a lot of times marriage can look like UFC, MMA, amen? Amen? Married people are shaking their heads. Single people are like, not for me. Wake up! Wake up! You better ditch the unicorn, man, because you got a rude awakening coming. But every marriage isn't where it could be, and here's why. Because of the brokenness in my life, in your life, and in your spouse's life, or in your one-day spouse's life. It's messed up everything, including marriage. So sometimes people will ask me, they'll come to me and they'll say, Mark, why did God make me go through that divorce? Mark, why did God end my marriage? Listen to me, God didn't make you go through that divorce. God didn't end your marriage. We need to stop blaming God for the brokenness that's in the world today. Where was God when that plane was shot down this week and that horrible tragedy? Let me tell you where God was. The same place God is always at, on the throne of the universe, in control. We shouldn't blame God. We can't blame God for the brokenness in the world. Could he have stopped it? Yes. And one day, Revelation 21 says that God's going to wipe away every tear, every hurt, every pain, every disease. God's going to get everything back to the way he originally wanted it. One day there will be no more pain, no more tears, but until Jesus comes, they'll be here. And the best of marriages that started out with the best of intentions have brokenness in them. See, so Jesus says divorce was not a part of God's original plan. God's original plan was that there would be a husband and a wife, and they would leave all that they've ever known, and nothing would separate them but death. And Jesus knows This is not a fairy tale. Jesus knows a lot of times things get in the way. That's why we get verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. So the second thing that Jesus teaches about divorce, or what does the Bible say about divorce? Well, the first thing that it says is that divorce was not a part of God's original plan, but the second thing the Bible says about divorce is that there are exceptions. Specifically two. Two exceptions that the Bible talks about. What do you mean by exceptions? Exceptions so that if, 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 if things go in these areas, then the divorce is not a sin then if, if, if it falls into these two categories that the Bible gives them, the divorce is not a sin. Well, what are the two categories? Adultery and abandonment. So let me just unpack those. First one, adultery. Jesus specifically talks about it right here in this verse. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except, except, except for sexual immorality, adultery. 
See, the best image really for marriage is sex. That's why sex should only happen between a husband and wife within the context of marriage. Why? Because it's two people becoming one. But here's what adultery is. Adultery brings in another person, so instead of two people becoming one, it's one of those people becoming one with somebody else. And so adultery can destroy, be devastating to a marriage. And Jesus says that's an exception clause. Divorce isn't a part of God's plan. Yes, it's a sin, but if it falls in that category, there's an exception. And the Bible also talks about not only adultery as an exception clause for divorce, but also abandonment. Abandonment. Here's this verse right here. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. So get that in your mind. Get that in your mind. Specifically what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 7, he's talking to Christian women because these women in this church in Corinth have asked Paul this question. Paul, we're Christians. Our husbands are not Christians. Should we divorce our non-Christian husbands? The answer is no. No. If they're, if they're in it, don't divorce them. Stick with them. But Paul in this verse paints the image of, now let's say you're willing to stick with it, but he wants to leave. If the husband or the wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. So this isn't just true for for Christian husbands or Christian wives, non-Christian husbands, non-Christian wives. The idea here is that somebody is willing to stay in the marriage, but the other person is leaving. The other person is out. One person is abandoning the other. And abandonment, listen to me here, abandonment can take a few different forms. Abandonment, yeah, it's physically, I'm packing up my things, I'm leaving. You can stay, but I'm leaving you. I'm le- that's, that's a form of abandonment. Let me give you another form of abandonment. Where somebody walks away from the commitment of marriage, walks away from their vows, walks away from their spouse, abuse. Abuse. Physical abuse. Verbal abuse. So listen to me, if you're here today and you're in a situation where you're going to go home to a spouse that verbally abuses you or physically abuses you, listen, should I divorce them today? Let's hang on to that idea. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But here's what you should do. You need to get out of there today. You need to get out of there today. If you're in a situation where your safety is a concern and you don't know what's about to happen to you, you need to get out today. Not only verbal and physical abuse, but here's a question that I get every so often, and and by and large it comes from women. Now, addiction isn't only a a man issue, it's men and women issue, but here's a question I've gotten from several ladies, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in the sermon about drinking. People have asked me this, Mark, my husband is selling drugs, what should I do? Mark, my husband is dealing drugs, Mark, my husband is using drugs. People are coming to my house, I don't feel safe anymore, what do I do? Same exact thing. That's a form of of abandonment. Listen, if you're in a situation, if that's you, you don't feel safe, get out today. Should I divorce them today? Hang on, let's talk. But you need to get out today. Today you need to get out. Don't, don't, don't make excuses. Don't put it off. You need to get out of that situation for the sake of you. If there's kids involved, you got to get them out with you. You need to get out of that today. But see, just because the Bible says that those are exception clauses and the divorce might not be a sin, that doesn't mean that divorce is required. Instead, divorce is allowed. So couples come to me, I, I, I talk to several couples, and they're coming to me about one of, maybe one of these situations, adultery or something like that, and here's the, here's the first response I try to get us to work through. Let's try to fix it. 
Let's try to repair it. Sometimes we can. And a lot of times we can't. So it's allowed, but it's not required. See, I want to be real clear. I want to be really, I want to be really clear. And some, listen, I love you. I love you. Do you know I love you? And man, I'm so glad you asked this question. And I'm glad you asked this question because I want you to know where God stands on this issue. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you've been divorced and you're hearing this and you're thinking, my divorce doesn't fit into any of those categories. Doesn't fit into adultery. Doesn't fit into abandonment the way that you've defined. Mark, is it a sin? Was it a sin? Yes. Will God forgive that sin? Yes. Absolutely God will forgive that sin. Absolutely God will forgive that sin. Yes, bold letters, 44 font or bigger exclamation point, italicize, right? He will forgive that sin. Listen, I'm convinced that the church has not done a good job when it comes to talking about divorce, right? I'm just convinced. And listen, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about big C, every church. We just need to lean over the plate, take one for the team, and say we haven't done a good job here, church, Christians, we haven't handled this one well. Because a lot of times in churches, when it comes to divorce, there's two extremes. There's the extreme of not talking about it at all. And that leaves people in the crowd who are maybe looking at a divorce or maybe who have been through a divorce. They're listening, they're listening to the silence and they're thinking, where's that leave me? Well, now, what do I do? Or on the other end of the spectrum, churches talk about divorce like it's the unpardonable sin. You know what I mean? Like people who've been divorced walk in there and they've just got the scarlet letter D all over them, right? And, and people, like the people in church, oh, look, there's the divorced people. Don't touch them, you'll catch it. Right? We've not done a good job here. And so here's what I want to do. Last, just 10 minutes to go, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to two groups that I'm convinced shot this to number two. And I'm convinced. Now, some of you, you might have asked this question because you've never heard a sermon on this. You're interested I don't think that's the majority of people. reason I don't think majority of people are like that who ask this question is because most of the time when this question got asked, it came with a story. What's the Bible say about divorce? And then there was a story. There was a story, and then what's the Bible say about my situation? What's the Bible say about divorce? I think there's two groups of people, really, and I want to talk to those two groups of people right now who shot this to number two. And maybe you're really leaning into this one, maybe in a particular way that you haven't been in any of the other ones. And the two groups that I want to talk to are the people who are in a marriage right now and you are looking at divorce. You're in a marriage right now and you're convinced there's the, it's the only way it's going to be fixed is a divorce. And then number two, second group that I want to talk to are people who have been divorced. Because those two groups of people, maybe you have been divorced or you're looking at a divorce, those two groups of people are thinking the same thing. It's over. I'm in a marriage, and it's over, or I've been divorced, and I've been coming to church, and I'm damaged goods. I don't think God can use me. It's over. So I want to say two, I want want, want to talk to those two groups of people. If you're married right now, and you're looking at a divorce, and you're thinking, that's what we've got to do, we've got to do that, that's the only way this is going to get fixed, I want you to lean in just for a second, because I want to say two things to you today. If you're married, and you're looking at divorce, and the first thing I want to say to you is that God can save your marriage. God can save your marriage. God wants to save your marriage. 
God cares not just about marriage, the idea. God cares about your marriage. God cares about what you're going through. God wants to save your marriage. The question is, will you let him? The question is, will you let God save your marriage? Listen, listen, the answer to that question, will you let him? The answer is no. If you're not willing to work on or get that thing out of your marriage that's pulling your marriage apart, Will you let God work on your marriage? Absolutely. You're not willing to let God work on your marriage if you don't stop texting, flirting with that person that you work with that's not your spouse. You're not willing to let God fix your marriage if you're not willing to work on the addiction that's destroying your marriage. Yeah, well, she needs to change. Yeah, well, he needs to change. Of course they do. Of course they do. Who here that's married thinks your spouse needs to change? Raise your hand right now. I just want to pick a fight. Look, nobody's raising your hand. Look at it. Nobody's like, oh, I ain't touching that. I know, yeah, I ain't going there. Now, here's the right answer. Here's the right answer. Who needs Jesus to work in their life and help them to grow? Me. My hand's up. Raise your hand. There you go. See that? Whose spouse needs to change? Everybody's spouse's. Why? Because everybody needs Jesus to work on them. See that? Well, my spouse needs to change. My husband, he needs to change. Of course, of course she does. And of course he does. And God wants to change them. And you should pray that God does. But don't forget that God wants to change you too. God wants to save your marriage. And the second thing I want to say to you if you're married and you're looking at a divorce, I want you to hang on. Hang on. I love what Jesus, the picture that Jesus paints when he talks about marriage. He says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Hold fast. Hang on. Don't let go. It's this image of grabbing each other and refusing to let anything get between you. I am not letting you go. Listen, whatever is getting in the way, it doesn't matter if it is an addiction, if it is a habit, if it's in-laws, if it's another person, if it's friends, if it's something from your past, it doesn't matter what it is. Listen, if you're here today, you're married and you're looking at a divorce, would you hang on? In fact, let me say this to you. Would you hang on for 30 days? Will you hang on for 30 days? Will you hang on for 30 days starting today and ask God to save your marriage? If you're here today, you're a couple and you're looking at divorce, would you, starting today, 30 days, for the next 30 days, beginning today, would you pray together as a couple that God would save your marriage? Your spouse isn't here today, but you're looking at that. Would you, you'd love for your spouse to pray that way with you. You don't think it's going to happen. It might not happen over the next 30 days. Well, then would you pray over the next 30 days that God would save your marriage? Mark, I've been praying that way. Maybe you need to begin to fast. Would you begin to pray like you never have before? Maybe you need to bring friends into your life, and they don't need to know all the, all the details, but all you need to do is tell them, hey, you know what? Our marriage that looks like it's doing well is not doing well. Pray for a breakthrough. Would you give it 30 days? What will happen at the end of 30 days? I don't know. Man, I would love to tell you at the end of 30 days that everything will change. But again, it's a broken world. Nothing may, nothing may change. But let's give it 30 days and seek God like we never have before. Give it 30 days. Hang on. 
But maybe you're on the other side of the divorce. You're here, you've been through that divorce, and you've been coming to church. Maybe you're new to this church. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe since the divorce, you've been in church, and secretly, you felt like a second-class citizen. You felt like damaged goods because the marriage that you wanted to have and to endure didn't make it. I want to say two things if that's you today. First thing I want to say to you is that God loves you. I want to say to you today that God loves you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. When God looks at you, the only, some of you might think that when God looks at you, the only thing that he sees is the divorce. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're God's son, if you're God's daughter, when God looks at you, he doesn't see the divorce. He sees the finished work of Jesus. In fact, listen, if that's you today and you're here and you're divorced, you've been through that and you're thinking, man, there's no way that God could love me. I'm convinced God's angry. That's too much of a mistake. I want to give you a promise that you need to get memorized. You need to make this a part of who you are. Look at this verse right here. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. So now, so now, would everybody say now with me? Let's all say now. So now there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So right now there's no condemnation for the divorce. It doesn't matter what the circumstance was. It doesn't matter what the reason for the divorce marriage. It doesn't matter what the reason for the marriage ending was in Christ. It is in the past. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Well, I feel condemned. It's probably the devil condemning you. It might be other Christians condemning you. But listen to me. God never deals in condemnation. Amen? God is not the one that condemns you. God loves you. And the second thing that I would want you to hear today is I want you to know God's not done with you. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. You might be here and you're thinking, I'm too much damaged goods. There's no way God can use me. Listen, stop going to the past. The divorce is in the past. That thing is in the past. God's purpose for you, God's potential for your life is in the future. Hope is in the future. So let's stop going to the past. Let's stop letting the past dictate our life. God's not done with you. Listen to me. Hey, if you're not dead, you're not done. Amen? If you're not dead, you're not done. In fact, let's stop, let's stop talking about divorce. If you're here today and you've got something in your past that you keep looking at and you're thinking, because of that, it's over, I want to tell you today, on the authority of Jesus Christ, it is not over. It is under his blood. There is mercy. There's forgiveness. There is second chance. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The divorce is gone. That thing in your past is gone. That thing they said, that thing you did, it is gone. And the new has come. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's not over. Look at somebody and say, it's not over. Look at him. Go ahead. It's not over. It's not over. Let's pray together. In fact, can we all stand for closing prayer? Everybody stand to their feet right now. Everybody stand to your feet right now. Nobody move. 
Nobody move. We're about to end this service right here. I believe God wants to do something unique right now. Let's pray together as a church. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, again, God, we started this, and this was heavy. This is heavy stuff. We said it was heavy, and it is. There's emotion in the room. There's tension in the room. And Father, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that the gospel is not self-help, just trying to puff us up and make us feel good. The gospel is the good news that Jesus was broken for our brokenness, and by his wounds we're healed. Doesn't matter if divorce is in our past or not. Doesn't matter where our past has been. In front of us is a future, and in front of us is a hope. Father, I pray for the the couple right now that's convinced it's over. Give them strength and a breakthrough over the next 30 days. I pray for the person that's walked in this room, divorcing their past or not, they're convinced it's over. Show them it's not. God, there's people here, maybe they go to church and they believe in you and they like this kind of music, but they don't have a relationship with you. I pray that today, I pray that today they would stop trying to live life on their own in their own strength and they would give their life to you for the very first time. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I realize that what I'm about to say will not apply to everybody. So don't get upset. Just hang on. I'm going to cover everybody, okay? I'm going to cover everybody. But if you're here today, men, let me, let me just keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Men, I'm going to need your leadership here. But if you're here today and you're standing next to your spouse, you're standing next to your husband or wives, you're standing next to your husband's husband, standing next to your wives. If you're standing next to your spouse, would you just reach over and grab their hand right now? Just take hands right now. Just take hands. I'm not going to ask you to lift that hand up or anything. I just want you to hold hands right now. You're engaged, hold hands. You should take the hand of your spouse if they're here. And would you begin to pray for your spouse right now? Right there. Right there. Just start praying for your spouse right there. Say, I'd love to pray with them. They're they're not here for one reason or another. Then you begin to pray for them right there where you're at. You begin to pray for them. Pray for a breakthrough in the marriage. Some of you, you can barely hold hands. Maybe you're doing it because you're convinced other people might not see you holding hands. They'll ask questions or they'll think something. You're holding that, but you can barely do it. And you're convinced it's over. Right now while you're standing, would you pray that God over the next 30 days would bring a breakthrough? Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. They're not here. Say, Mark, they don't even believe in God. They're not a Christian. They won't go to church with me. Pray for them right now. Pray for them right now. They used to come here. Now they don't come with you. Pray for them right now. If you're here in divorce or anything is in your past that you look at and you say it's over, I want you, while you're praying, I want you right now to thank God that Romans 8.1 is true over your life. That there is no condemnation for divorce. That in Christ there is no condemnation for that addiction. There is no condemnation for that thing in your past that somebody did to you, said to you, happened to you in Christ. There is forgiveness, freedom, and mercy and second chance. Thank God for that right now. Receive that right now. Claim it right now. But you might be here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ You go to church, maybe you've enjoyed today, but you know and God knows that you've been trying to do this on your own and you're not a Christian. You do not have a relationship with Jesus. And I believe that God brought you here today, put you in that seat. You're standing in the forum because God is working on you right now and today's the day you need to give Him your life. 
Today's the day you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness and to come into your life and to save you. And listen to me, it doesn't matter where you've been, He promises to do just that. So if you're here today, doesn't matter how young or old, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus and you want Jesus to come into your life for the very first time, I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not magic words, but it's just a prayer to help you verbalize what God is doing in your life. Anyone in the sound of my voice that wants to give their life to Jesus today, right there where you stand, pray this silently. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I'm tired of doing this on my own, and I need you today. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for loving me. I give my life to you from this moment forward. Amen. No one looking around. Nobody raised their head. Nobody's looking at all. Every head's still bowed and eyes closed. But I'm going to count to three. And if you, just ra- if you just prayed to give your life to Jesus, if you just made the decision to become a Christian today, I'm going to count to three. And raising your hand does not save you. But what it does say is it says, Mark, I just gave my life to Jesus. Will you pray for me? I just made the biggest decision of my life. Will you pray for me? So if you just made that decision and today you're starting a relationship with Jesus, as soon as I say three, raise your hand up and put it straight back down. One, two, three. Raise it right now if you're making that decision today. Listen, if you are making that decision, I want you to look at me right now. Right now. Just stop praying. Open up your eyes. Look at me. Don't leave today until you let somebody know what you did. When you walked in today, we gave you a connection card. On the back of that card's a box that, ch- that says, I gave my life to Christ. Please, please, please check that box before you leave today. We got a free Bible and a green book in the back that's called Seek First. We wrote that for you. We wrote that, that Seek First book for you. Grab it, would you, on your way out today? God, I'm praying that over the next 30 days, there'd be a breakthrough in families. I'm praying that over the next 30 days, there be a breakthrough in marriages. I pray that over the next 30 days, there'd be a breakthrough in our lives. We need a breakthrough. It isn't that other families need breakthroughs. It isn't that other people need breakthroughs. It's that we do. I do. We all do. God, whether we know it or not, what we need more than anything else as individuals and as families and as a church is for you to move through us like you have never done before. God, do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's thank God for the gospel. And let me, before we all, before we all leave, hey, can you grab a seat really quick? I got, I got two things to say to you really quick that I, that I want to share. Um, before we leave, so don't anybody leave. Um, hey, when you walked in today, uh, when you walked in today, you got a connection card. Go ahead and take that card out for a second. I want to talk to you guys about something. Um, we are praying uh, and anticipating uh, the biggest fall that we've ever had as a church. Fall, August, September, October, and the, re- the latter part of the year, those are usually the biggest times of growth we see as a church. Ricky mentioned earlier, gave you guys a little sneak peek, and we've got a lot of big things going on behind, <clears throat> excuse me, behind the scenes right now. I'm not prepared to announce those things to you today. We're still working on the details, but in the coming weeks we are. But here's what we need to do. We need to make room for growth. We need to get ready for everything that we believe God wants to do at Summit. And one thing that we believe God wants to grow exponentially, numbers-wise, in every way, is our kids' ministry. Summit Kids for, uh, for uh, nursery all the way through elementary that's meeting right now in the other part of the forum. 
Here's what I want to ask you. Some of you, you don't serve in an area. You don't serve in guest services, kids, or whatever. Let me, let me challenge you with something. We have around some of what we call a test drive ministry. What that means is we ask people, uh, you know, like if you come to something called the VIP event, what it means is we ask people to try serving in one area one time and see if you like it. And we'll connect, if you like it, if you like it, hey, we'll connect you, you'll get on a serve team, man, you'll get plugged in, God will start doing awesome things in your life because you're serving people. If you hate it, let's say you try doing a test driving kids and then you'd rather get a, sw- a swift kick in the face than work with kids again. Well, listen, we would rather you not work with kids because we don't want you to start a prison ministry from the inside. You know what I'm saying? Right? You know what I'm saying? But here's what I, here's what we believe that God is about to bring some big growth to our church, especially kids, and we need help. Let's be honest. We need help. Would you, if you're not serving in kids, okay, if you're not serving at all, a lot of you don't serve, especially in kids, though, would you consider giving it a one-time test drive? Check in, taking your connection card, and, and if you take your card today and check on the back, Summit Kids, I want to volunteer in Summit Kids, here's what that means today. It means that you're signing up and you're pledging to do it one time. Somebody on our staff will call you this week, we'll get that scheduled, and you can do your one-time test drive in Summit Kids. But I'm just going to be honest, to get ready for the growth, we're convinced that God wants to bring to this church, we need to get ready because we want to reach families and the next generation. So we need people to help out in kids. So if you take a one-time test drive in kids, it's for anybody. Take your connection card, flip it over today, and when you leave in just a moment, you drop it in that basket, you checking Summit Kids means I want to do a one-time test drive in Summit Kids. Please, please, please do that today. Please, please, please. I'm asking. Consider doing that today. Another thing I want to mention to you, and then you're done. Discover Summit is right after this. Discover Summit is a free lunch, and it's for anybody that wants to take the step and become a partner member at Summit. So if you, hey, you've been coming, you want to officially make this church your home church, stick around. Let's give you some free awesome food. And man, let's take that next step together. It's going to be in the multi-purpose room. It'll take us just a few minutes to get that set up. All right, so Discover Summit and make sure, man, we would love to see a lot of people say, you know what, I'll take a test drive in Summit Kids. Next week, we end Summer Playlist. And the question is, how can I know if I'm saved? And we got more votes for this question. I'm going to tell you how many of It's just unbelievable the response we got for next week's question. Here's what I want to say for next week. Don't you dare miss it. Do not miss next week. It's going to be a game changer for a lot of you. Guys, I love you. Hey, connection cards, you can drop them in the basket on your way out. If you're a first-time guest, make sure you let us know that. We've got a free gift for you out there in the lobby. Guys, you're dismissed. Love you. See you next Sunday.